values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here. A lot going on this morning. The big announcement by the President of the United States. I think three or 6 a.m. East Coast time, 3 a.m. here in Arizona. The President released a video saying he is running for re-election. There's a lot of debate now that's going to happen. Um, there are a few things I want you to hear that he had to say um, I, I think are important. Um, he says he's fighting for the soul of America. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America. And we still are. I don't know what that means. I guess I mean it sounds good, but I don't know what that means. And and for I, I just all the platitudes. And I'm going to be honest. I've said it on both sides of the aisle. Um, when Barack Obama won the presidency, people uh, on the re- Republican side of the aisle uh, were upset. They weren't happy about it. When he won re-election, when he was running for re-election. The level of of uh, angst, the level of concern, I kept hearing from Republicans, if we reelect Barack Obama, we will never get our country back. America as we know it is over. It's we are done for. We are done for as a country. We'll never get America back. Now, I wasn't defending Barack Obama, but I do not believe that one person is going to take down our country, not one president. That's why they serve two terms and they're done. That doesn't mean I agreed with what happened. I didn't like the direction we took. I don't agree with Barack Obama's politics, but one president is not going to ruin America. And to remind everybody, let's talk about this. Um, if you, and this is, again, specifically from the Republican point of view. Barack Obama served two terms as president of the United States, and then the country elected Donald Trump president. Within 18 months, from a Republican perspective, now I'm not asking everybody to agree with this, but from a Republican perspective, we had the best economy we've had since the Reagan administration. Low unemployment, wages going through the roof, no inflation. It was a great time to be an American. Gas prices for all four years below $3 a gallon. So all of this eight years of Obama is going to ruin America. I just I don't buy into that. And the same thing here, the platitude here where Joe Biden, we're fighting for the soul of America. Well, I will say this, and I mean this honestly from my political perspective. If the politicians dictate the soul of America, we're already lost. Uh, Just how I feel about it. I don't think we're fighting for the soul of America. And it's just a statement that it's one of those statements that everybody makes. It's on both sides of the aisle. The the Democrats said it. We can't have Donald Trump. And the, the hand wringing that will happen if Donald Trump wins the presidency again, if you thought there was a level of hatred and fear mongering that happened during the four years he was president, if he wins another term. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be even worse. So he goes on to talk about finishing the job. So if you're with me, go to Joe Biden out of Let's finish this job. I know we can. Because this is the United States of America. There's nothing, simply nothing we cannot do if we do it together. I agree with that. There's nothing we can't do if we do it together. But this president promised to be a unifier. Does, do people believe he is? I don't believe he is, and I don't think most Americans think he is. They think he's very partisan. He promised not to be. But is that a broken promise, or do people think it's necessary? Because, again, a president, anybody running for a second term or another term, 
will has something on their side, and that's their record. It either helps them or it hurts them. And so it's going to be promises made, promises kept, and there are many promises that this president made that he's kept. But have those promises that have they fulfilled what he said they would fulfill? And I think that's where the challenge is going to be for Joe Biden, because the idea people don't believe that they react fast enough. They were completely wrong about inflation, 100 percent completely wrong about inflation. If you want to blame things on something else, that's just part of the deflecting that happens when you're in office. Uh, But to run away and say you weren't wrong, he was absolutely wrong. And this would be something that I pointed out over and over and over again, that continuously for months and months and months, even when people on his side of the aisle told him that this inflation thing was not transitory, that this was going to be a big deal. They denied it and did nothing until they did too little too late, and it's costing America right now. That would be first and foremost what I said. But here's the other part of this conversation. Who is it in the GOP that's polling ahead? This is Mary Bruce from ABC. Among Republicans, Trump has strong support, even after his recent indictment. The former president now with a double-digit lead over other potential GOP candidates, including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. So which GOP candidate could possibly beat the president? I think in reality, Democrats should be careful what they wish for. Like Hillary Clinton in 2016, she thought Donald Trump was the weaker candidate. Uh, Donald Trump, it looks like, tends to underpoll in some of these polls and overperform on Election Day. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if Democrats start thinking that maybe some of these other candidates actually are looking more attractive against Joe Biden. So when you look at the field, I think there are a few candidates that are already in the race that could be a a very good test for Joe Biden. But to think that Joe Biden is just going to lose in a landslide because of the polling numbers that said he shouldn't run, I don't think that's true either. We understand if you watch elections as long as I've been watching elections closely, you never know who it is. If you remember the year that John McCain got the nomination and he ran against Barack Obama, there was a time during the McCain candidacy where his campaign was so broke They had a television story. For those of you that are new to Arizona, there was a time that John McCain, when he became the nominee, there was a time during that campaign where he had so little money that he was flying to campaign events on Southwest Airlines. There was an old – someone did a video of him. They covered him. He was sitting in the airport with all of the other people waiting to board a Southwest flight, and he was just sitting there waiting his turn to board the plane. To go to a campaign event. That's how close his campaign came to being flat broke and him out of the race. He ended up coming back and winning the nomination. Um, Donald Trump was not even seen as a serious candidate at the beginning. As a matter of fact, this far out, one year or whatever it is away from uh, the, the, the election, Jeb Bush was far and away the front runner. Here in Arizona, I've told this many times, when when Governor Ducey won his first term as governor, one year out from that election, in that election year, Ken Bennett was about 40 points or 30 points ahead of the former governor. And it ended up that Ducey came back and won that race. My point is there may be people in the GOP primary that haven't even declared yet that all of a sudden will become the nominee. They will get that momentum. Remember the Howard Dream and uh, Howard uh, Howard Dean that I have a scream speech where that he made and it lost him the candidacy. He looked like the front runner and he was out. This is a long way from over. And I'm anxious to see who these who the GOP puts up. But is it a rematch? I wonder how the America is going to respond.
Coming up, we talk border. 3,000 people in a caravan making their way to the U.S.-Mexico border in anticipation of the expiration of Title 42. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, you still have a chance if you want to score that best ticket in town. It is Suns Playoff Tickets. Game 5 is tonight. We are going to be calling a name in the 11 o'clock hour, and you have a chance even in the 4 p.m. hour after that, if you don't win in the 11 o'clock hour, to be registered to win tickets. The person that we call out will get a prize pack, a Suns prize pack, and be registered to win. One person's going to win Game 5 tickets tonight just text the word ticket to 411923 that's ticket to 411923 a 3,000 strong migrant caravan begins walking toward the U.S. Mexico border. That's a headline at the website Zero Hedge. Around 3,000 migrants set out on Sunday in a large caravan from southern Mexico and began walking north in what organizers said was a protest demanding an end to the detention centers. Title 42 is, is getting ready to expire. May 11th is the date. And uh, what are what are the residual things that are going to happen? And this is something that every American should be concerned about. When I and these, I guess all of this stuff kind of fits together. The president of the United States is going to um, ask for you to vote for him for reelection. Right now, you don't know who your other choice is going to be. We don't know who the Republican candidate. There may be a third party candidate that jumps into. We don't know. But we do know that the chances that anybody is going to beat Biden and there is one person that's in the primary against him is very, very small. The president is by, I would say, by a 95 percent probability going to be the Democratic nominee. And he's going to ask for you to give him another term. So much like when he well, when he asked for a first term, he had ideas of what he wanted to accomplish. Now, after his first term, he's got to come to you and explain to you what he's done in fulfilling those promises and how he's helped America achieve its goals. And what the issue of the border is one of the biggest failures that this administration faces. He faces some of the criticism from his own party. If there is one area that his own party has broken from him and been critical, it's on the border issue. And we have seen it worse than it's ever been. And the defenders of the president, the best, and this is where you understand how bad this issue is for the president. I'm talking politics now. Is the best defense that anyone that supports the president can come up with is no president's been able to fix the problem. They admit that it is not fixed. But what they don't tell you is it's worse now than it's ever been. You can look at the numbers month after month, year after year since this president has been in office. It is the worst situation at the border. And now there's huge problems at the northern border. The drugs that are being brought across, the cartels have effective control of the border. And they continue. Secretary Mayorkas continues to go to congressional hearings and say with whatever convoluted way they can try to define it that the border is secure. And everybody knows it's not. Everyone knows. It isn't secure. This is a part of a bigger. This is, again, part of an ideology, I believe, of this president. Will the American people agree with it? I'm asking questions. You know where I stand. I think this has been another major failure of this administration has been on the border issue. It has not been handled appropriately. And for the people out there that are border advocates that are on the opposite side of the border issue that I am, that they are advocates for the people that are crossing. How can you be? 
dissatisfied with what's happening. This is where the political rancor bothers me more than anything. And I'm going to take it back just a little bit. During the time that President Trump was in office, we were we were seen as a nation that was just horrible to people crossing our borders, that we were torturous. And they showed all of these pictures and they were Arizona Republic pictures. This is not the problem of the Arizona Republic, but this is from our state. These were pictures of children wearing those blankets that look like um, uh, look like aluminum foil. And they're in blankets in cages, children in cages and how horrible this was. And this is what you get from a Trump administration. This is how Trump separates families and treats children. And then it came out in very small letters because the headline was big letters, big font, all capitalized. Then it came out, oops, sorry, those were actually pictures taken in the cages built by President Obama in McAllen, Texas and other places. And those children, those pictures were actually taken during the Obama presidency. So if you are someone that's an advocate for someone, for a group of people, be an advocate for them. Then you should be um, as equally outraged when they don't get what they need from any president, not just one that you agree with their political leanings. That's why you don't have credibility. You cannot be pleased. Families are still separated. Families have not been reunited. Children have been lost. They don't know where they are. There are people that are not tracked when they're brought into the country and allowed to stay. They're not tracking them appropriately. Um, it is a mess. So if you, you hear about these, the tents that are being burned and all of these other bad things that are happening. And when Trump was president, he was to blame for all of it. You don't hear any of that now from these organizations, which is why they don't have credibility. They are partisan. If you are someone that is an advocate for a cause, it, you should be nonpartisan in your cause, right? If you're an advocate for the cause, you should be critical of the people that don't do the right thing based on your cause and your belief. And there's no way that they can have this belief and say that this is a, this is a successful presidency on the border. Now, I, I just hope something gets done, even if it's because he wants to get reelected. Let's just hope something gets done. In a moment, does our justice system need reform? Because we're going to talk about law enforcement officers that are furious about what's happening. You'll hear about it next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. Happy Tuesday. Uh, here is a headline. America isn't protecting its kids and teens from gun violence. I want to tell you, I want to I let you in on a little secret. Um, there are way too many teens that are committing gun violence. This is part of the issue. Um, it's violence. Who cares what kind of violence? It's violence. Um, Florida police chief. This is a police chief. I believe he's from Palm Bay, Florida. Um and he uh, he said that this Justin, this guy, Justin uh, Giambanco, is all too familiar with law enforcement in Florida. He's just 31 years old. He's already been charged with 22 felonies and 24 misdemeanors going back to 2010. He went to prison in 2017. 
after being accused of several violent crimes, including battery and aggravated assault. After his release two years ago, he immediately violated the condition of his parole and in April of 21 was given a sentence of four and a half years for yet another offense, but was released in October after serving just 18 months. Earlier that month, he was allegedly back to his old tricks on April 15th. He was arrested for uh, uh, reportedly trespassing at a woman's home. Um, And then he was released and he committed a crime right after that. This is, again, this is where there's no accountability. If you and I did something like that, I want you to think about how the rules work for you and against you. Here you've got government agents or government agencies, and I'm not an anti-government guy, but just for perspective, you have people that work on your behalf as government agents, as judges, prosecutors, parole boards. They, They work for a government agency. There's no accountability for the decisions they make. If you own a if you own a business, you understand that there are things out of your control that you are still responsible for. If you own a storefront and somebody slips and falls on your floor, you end up paying for it. You may not have spilled anything, but it's your establishment. Um, if you've ever had people that you've gotten rid of in your company because they weren't doing their jobs appropriately and they say they want unemployment and they they um, and you deny you say they shouldn't get unemployment and they challenge it. There is a better the chance than not that they're going to get unemployment and they may have been a horrible employee that you have documented. That's out of your control. The government holds holds businesses accountable. One of the things I like that comes out on Wednesdays, because I know I'm strange, I'm weird in this way, on Wednesdays normally – at AZ Central, they have a story about the reviews they've done of restaurants around the valley. And the headline will always be about the four or five or six violations that such and such a restaurant has. And then there's a list broken down by uh, Phoenix and Scottsdale and East Valley and West Valley. And, and you can see the ones that are top-notch restaurants that got an A grade um, in their inspections of people's restaurants. You're held to a standard. If you violate that standard, there's accountability. You have to pay a price for that. In these instances, these people that make these horrible decisions have zero accountability. None. This guy has got 22 felonies and 24 misdemeanors, and they keep letting him out early. And there's no accountability for the people that are doing it. And then he victimizes more people. This is where people get frustrated with the system. It's not the only story I have. Um, I have another story. About a sheriff, this time in South Carolina, uh, used the Oprah Winfrey free show as an example. He said there's an episode of Oprah where she points to the audience members and says, you get a car and you get a car. Everybody gets a car. To paraphrase that, he said, you get a bond. You get a bond. Everybody, no matter how violent, gets a bond. He was reacting to the release of a 38-year-old man who was let out of jail on bond for a weapons violation. The suspect is now facing new charges of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime and trafficking cocaine. So, you know, the easy jump for me here is let's talk about guns because you want to make more laws to make it harder for people like me believing, well, so it inconveniences you a little bit. But if it saves one life, you've got these people with violations of weapons laws that are being let out on bond. Where's the real problem in our society? Why are we not solving crimes? 
is could it be this? Could it be, um, you know, uh, judges? Could it be prosecutors and lack of their desire? This idea of equity that we have far too many people that are non-white that are in jail, so therefore we're not going to prosecute crimes? Well, I don't – I'll be honest. I, I, I don't care. I really don't care what color your skin is. I, I told this story earlier. When I stopped two people from shoplifting – and then a fight broke out, and I was fighting. When I say fighting, I kept them off of me. I wasn't really too worried about either one of them. But um, I kept these two guys off of me until the police got there, and it was a good four minutes. It was a lengthy amount of time, you know, when you've got bottles being thrown at you and people trying to beat you up. But um, one of them was white, and one of them was black. Do you think it mattered to me? And, in, and to be honest, the white kid was the aggressor. He was the one who went to jail. He was the one that was ultimately convicted of aggravated assault and shoplifting. But both of them were attacking me. Had I been injured, would it matter what color the skin was? It isn't. No one cares when you're the victim of a crime. If you're committing a crime in this country, that's why our justice system, lady justice as we know it um, at the courthouses, is, is in the robe holding balanced scales and blindfolded. And so the idea that you can commit a crime and in some way to make up for injustices of the past, we're going to commit an injustice now and not prosecute you doesn't make any sense to me. And we are seeing far too many crimes being committed by people, not of any certain race, not of any certain gender, not of any certain anything. Crimes, violent crimes, and there, and you understand predatory behavior. We all know it. We also understand it's basic human instinct. Your child knows when they are very young how many times you're going to yell into their room to knock it off before you've had enough and you go into that room. They know. And they don't stop until you walk into that room. It's basic human instinct. And you know if you want to raise a bad child, be your child's best friend with no consequences for bad behavior. And it's no different with the predatory behavior of adults. In a moment, um, we're going to talk about one of my favorite things to happen in a long time. Tamale Tuesday. Yes, it's Tamale Tuesday. Why is that a big deal? We'll give you details coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Holy Tamale Tuesday. We, uh, we've we got a lot to talk about. Senate Republicans tweak Hobbs over food bill veto at the tamale sale at the Capitol. Uh, vendors are set up outside uh, Arizona State Capitol, the museum, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. as we show our support for HB 2509 and the Arizona families making an honest living. Um... Uh, anytime you want to sell tamales, I'm in. I don't care what the cause is. Um, and uh, it is it, – it's interesting to me, and I'll tell you why. Because this is – there are times that people get excited over nothing. And it, for face value, if you think about this, it's not going to affect Arizona's economy that much. But what it does to people personally, and this is what bothers people um, – Mo- and this is where I still believe that most of us, we pick sides and we don't understand how much we really have in common. I don't believe this is a part. This isn't a nonpartisan thing. 
it's, I mean, I said it's not a bipartisan thing. It's a nonpartisan thing. We all know someone that hustles. And I mean that in a very good way. We know someone that is always finding a way to make their way. I respect the, the hell out of that. The person, if you are working, if you are working your butt off to keep your own head above water, I don't care what you're doing. You deserve respect. Money is not respectable. Hard work is respectable. I've often said that um, wealth often follows success, and I think that's true. If you have a unique skill, if you're seven feet tall and you can run like the wind, you're going to make a lot of money in the NBA. If you're six seven and you can run a four five forty and you can hit like a truck, you're going to make a great living in the NFL. If you can sing like Taylor Swift, you're going to make a lot of money in the entertainment business. Wealth follows success. But you can be successful by just working hard and making your way. The working class hero is alive and well in my mind. It always has been. That's the people I picture I'm talking to when I do this show. The people that just work hard. They take pride in everything they do. If they say they're going to do it, they want to do it well because when they're done, they want you to be able to say, man, that was a really good job. From cutting the grass to digging a hole, I don't care what it is. People that show up on time and work hard. And that's what this is about. I think this is why people are so upset about this. Because it's just average people that instead of, let's say, um, going out and um, and panhandling or do, they say, no, 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 I've got a skill and I can make people happy. I'm, I'm cooking great food and I'm going to sell it. Cookies. Candy, tamales. Uh, my friend Hector um, brought by, uh, I think it's Devil Dog Demolition is the name of his company. Sharp and I talked about it this morning um, on the air. Hector came by yesterday, and I, I'm pretty sure his wife made it, but brought us half a dozen tamales, a burrito, and some tortillas, homemade stuff. Delicious. Brought it and gave it to us. Absolutely no violation of the law. It was here. I want to make you guys breakfast. It was a very nice gesture. Now, if I had tried to pay him for that, if he had been charging me for that, that's a violation of the law. Somebody explain how that's possible. And when you have Democrats and Republicans who can't agree on whether the sun is up or not are standing in unison for the most part on this issue, this is a big mistake because what the governor did with her veto is opened up the Pandora's box of people saying, what are you talking about? We're just trying to make a living. Are you telling me that I'm going to poison people or worse yet, me as a customer? Because I will buy, you know, if it's if it's home, especially tamales, I love them. And if if I see somebody selling them, I'm buying them. And you're telling me that I'm I'm also violating the law that I can't buy that product, that I'm not smart enough to decide for myself when I want to buy something. It's absurd. Well, a part of it, you know, and it's you we can argue, you know, about why people do things. But in the end, this was, I think, a major mistake in principle for the governor's office, because you're now unifying both parties on something that says we want less government. Stay out of the way. This has been working for a long time now. We've watched the previous administration and the previous uh, legislatures reduce restrictions on people's ability to make money, big and small. I mean, big companies, yes, but the, the startups, the people that just work hard for a living. 
the immense expense that it takes to legally open up a business stops these people from making the 20 or 30 or 40 bucks. Maybe it's Christmas money. Maybe it's money for their grandkids. Maybe it's money for them to travel to see their family. Whatever the reasons are, get out of the way. Get out of the way and allow them to do this. And the governor's not budging. And the Senate Democrats are now saying, nope, they may have voted in favor of it before, but since it's been vetoed, we are not going to vote to override the veto. And if that happens, it's going to be even more fallout. The best thing that could happen to this governor would be for this override to happen and for the governor to come out and just say, you know what, in hindsight, I probably should have let that one go. I was trying to do the right thing, but in the end, I get it. Arizona's spoken. Let's move on. This is going to be a major issue for people. It is about uh, personal economy. It is about accountability. It is about all that stuff. But in the end, it's about people, average people, just trying to make their way and finding out that there's one governmental roadblock or another standing in their way. It's absurd. And I just love the fact that this one little issue has turned into this bigger conversation. And it's one that we all should continue to have because I would say to my friends on both sides of the aisle that you're going to find out when you unify and say the government should be held accountable, you're going to like each other a lot more. Coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, we're also we give you an opportunity to qualify for tickets. Don't forget that. We're also going to be talking about electric vehicles. All that's coming up next.